Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic D Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Austria's finest naturally authentic pumpkin seed oil from the Steiermark, available at OrganicUniverse.com. Listeners of The Organic View can receive a dollar off their purchase by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. For more promotional offers, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. And don't forget to check out our contest section. It's a brand new year that awaits the changing of the guard as a new administration takes the helm. This year is already filled with eagerness and anticipation of a number of possibilities regarding the environment, both good and bad. Although some of the key focal points are energy and climate change, it will be very interesting to see if any progress is made to protect our pollinators. Meanwhile, industry hasn't wasted a single minute and has begun its routine of spewing out rhetoric in hopes of maintaining huge profits. Meanwhile, overseas in Europe, things are heating up. On today's show, Tom and I are going to discuss these issues as we continue the discussion about the propaganda that continues to circulate. So I would like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper Tom Thebold. Good afternoon and Happy New Year, Tom. Well, Happy New Year, June, and we had a foot of snow overnight, and it's supposed to go to 20 below tonight. For people that are just tuning into the show, can you explain how this type of weather impacts honeybees? Well, a, a healthy colony of honeybees is actually pretty re- resilient when it comes to the cold. They cluster together, and by vibrating their flight muscles, they're able to generate a survival temperature within the cluster. On these really, really cold nights, that outside blanket of bees doesn't survive, and they become a sacrificial blanket. But the but the colony has a high enough population that it can afford those losses through the course of the winter and still survive. What we're seeing, though, because of the effect of the neonicotinoids and, to a lesser degree, I believe, the parasitic mites, we're seeing colonies going into the winter underpopulated, and a smaller cluster is much more vulnerable on these cold, cold nights. So we worry when it when it gets this cold more now than we would have 20 years ago. And why is that, Tom? Can you explain to people who don't understand how bees exist? Well, think of a normal cluster might be, tightly clustered might be the size of a soccer ball. The bees cluster together, they vibrate their flight muscles, and they generate heat. Even though they're a cold-blooded insect, they can generate heat. Well, if you have a cluster that is underpopulated and maybe the size of a softball, that's not large enough to generate enough heat 
to maintain a survival temperature through these cold, cold nights, and the cold just penetrates all the way through the cluster and kills the colony. I can't imagine how anybody's hives are going to survive, especially if this is something that's commonly found amongst commercial beekeepers. Uh, it's 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 got to be very gloomy, especially with the upcoming almond season that occurs every January. And each year, numerous migratory commercial beekeepers go travel to California to begin the process of pollinating the almond crops. And the almond crop is the biggest of the year, but it's the most important. Well, the northern commercial beekeepers have been able to avoid this deep cold by moving their bees to California in October and November before the real cold sets in. And they've learned over the past 10 or 15 years that if they try to stay here and move at the last minute, not only are there all kinds of problems, but there's much higher mortality because of the cold. Southern beekeepers from Florida and the Gulf Coast and places like that can wait until just before the almond pollination, and then they they move right into the orchards. But the commercial beekeepers along the northern tier of states who are going to the almonds have been able to avoid some of these uh, winter losses from the deep cold. But those of us who are here and stay in place, we suffer heavily from this kind of weather where we might have survived quite well 20 or 30 years ago. Thanks, Tom. Now, one of the topics that I'd like to talk about today is in regards to the rhetoric that industry continues to circulate. By definition, psychological manipulation is a type of social influence that aims to change the behavior or perception of others through abusive, deceptive, or underhanded tactics. By advancing the interests of the manipulator, often at another's expense, such methods could be considered exploitative, abusive, devious, and deceptive. And that's basically what we have. And it's interesting because the first of the year already we're starting to see industry churning out the propaganda. They all begin the same way, and they talk about neonicotinoids, how controversial it is. By design, they are only meant to affect the predatory insects that are a threat to the plant. They claim that these advanced systemic crop protectors are absorbed into the plant itself and thus target only pests that sucker chew on crops, particularly during the plant's early growth phases. However, if you review even one of the countless research papers that have been independently conducted, peer-reviewed, and published, this will prove to be a very weak argument because if you read the research, pick any paper, this simply demonstrates the tactics that are used by industry for the sole purpose of maintaining their profits. If you take a look at a study that was published, it was titled Field Evidence of Bird Poisonings by Amidacloprid Treated Seeds, a review of incidents reported by the French SAGIR network from 1995 to 2014, and basically they focus on the impact that amidacloprid has on bird populations. It showed that birds have declined faster in areas with higher neonicotinoid concentrations in surface water because of the low toxicity of neonicotinoids to vertebrates, and the diet of birds studied 
mainly insectivores. These authors argued that it is more likely that the observed declines are the result of knock-on effects of the widespread depletion of the insect populations caused by neonicotinoids. Nonetheless, as the results are deprived from correlation, adverse consequences on bird populations due to direct lethal or sublethal effects cannot totally be excluded, all the more so that at concentrations relevant to field exposure scenarios, neonicotinoids have the potential to cause direct adverse effects. And the link to that study will be made available with the companion article for this interview. The arguments that they present are so weak. And unfortunately, Tom, you've said this so many times, people that don't understand the science or are not even remotely familiar with what's going on, they see something at a glance and they take it as fact. Well, the effect on birds we've known for 20 years. And in fact, uh, the effect on the Dutch bird population is one of the things that fired up this uh, discussion in the first place. Hank Tanneke's the Dutch toxicologist uh, published his data 10, 10 years ago uh, showing the steep decline of, of birds in Holland. And the American Bird Conservancy did an extensive report just a few years ago where they show steep declines in insectivorous birds. It's a double whammy for the birds. First, it eliminates the insect population and... Uh, Many of these birds feed their young, at least, and frequently the adults are heavy feeders on insects as well. So it eliminates their food source, but there's also direct poisoning from the neonicotinoids, specifically from seed that gets scattered on the ground. A single seed can be a death sentence for a, an insectivorous bird. Let's just take a moment and review the impact of neonicotinoids. Could you just take a moment and share with the listeners exactly why this is a problem? Well, you know, there's talk about the sublethal effects, and the facts appear to be that there is no safe dose of these neonicotinoids. All you have to do is introduce the element of time, and even the tiniest exposure will ultimately lead to the same endpoint, which is death of either the individual or, in the case of honeybees, of the colony and we use the term sublethal but I think that's in error because these aren't really sublethal effects they're pre-lethal effects any exposure to these neonicotinoids can be terminal and uh, they affect the colony both at the individual level and at the colony level they uh, they affect individual bees by uh, Confusion, confusion and disruption of their neurological processes, their ability to navigate, their ability to remember food sources, their ability to return to the hive. And at the colony level, they one of the more recent uh, findings is that they interfere with the bee's ability at thermoregulation, which relates to what we were just talking about a minute ago, the bee's ability to generate and regulate the heat within the cluster and within the colony and the subsequent high loss to these winter cold spells because they, their uh, thermal regulation has been disrupted. Uh, the neonicotinoids are neurological poisons, and when you start tampering with the neurology of, a, of an organism, all sorts of things go wrong. 
considering everything that you just said, the apologists for industry continue to circulate their very well-crafted propaganda. It's very interesting. You know, uh, for those of us who are fairly well-informed, it's interesting to see industry crank up the propaganda machine right after the first of the year. And I think that it's uh, an indication that they're a little worried that their lies are not going to uh, suffice. They, it's, you talked earlier about rhetoric and, and these are, this isn't rhetoric. I think you're being on, on, you're being generous and too kind to these people. This isn't rhetoric. These are just plain old-fashioned lies, and they cherry-pick the science. They criticize the regulators. In psychology, it's something called projection, where people can't see the failings in themselves, and they apply those failings to others. And that's what the chemical industry is doing, and they're doing everything they can to distort the science, to just flat-out lie, and, and it's misrepresentation for the misinformed. For people who aren't well-informed, these things may sound plausible, but they're just plain lies. And all all the listeners have to do is dig a little deeper, and they can see what the truth is. There's an overwhelming uh, volume of scientific evidence connecting these neonicotinoids to the death of pollinators and many many other insect species. This is a terrible, terrible environmental disaster. And the only reason these are billion-dollar products is because the billions of dollars in environmental damages are going unaccounted for. Well, what we've learned is that they focus on certain elements. One of them happens to be Varroa that the bee decline is caused by varroa mites. While that may be one problem, that is not something that's evident in Australia, as we've talked about numerous times, as well as with leaders from Australia, namely Jeffrey Gibbs, who has been on the show to talk about what his experiences have been with his bees. And he is the top honey producer in Australia. So it's impacting his operation tremendously. Tom, I know that you have been focusing on some of the new pieces that are coming out as far as the propaganda. What are some of the more common points that industry argues when it comes to neonicotinoids? Well, it's the terminology that they use. And, uh, for example, I have one of those before me, and uh, the author talks about manufactured controversies as if there is no controversy. Well, that's simply not the case. Uh, says that the, the neonicotinoids minimize the impacts on beneficial insects. That's absolutely untrue. Talks about the uh, environmentalists as having well-funded advocacy campaigns. That's completely contrary to the reality. It's the industry that has millions of dollars to pour into these propaganda campaigns makes the claim that managed bee colonies are in fine shape and that the colony numbers have not dropped. That simply is not true. Uh, it's very frustrating to read this stuff because you know when you read it that there are people who are not well informed who will read this and it sounds plausible. And that's exactly the reason why they crank up this propaganda machine so that they can sway the misinformed.
Well, when you take a closer look and you see the same thing being spewed over and over and over, and it's not referenced, unfortunately, people that don't follow this closely are going to be sucked into that whole thing. There's ample evidence out there, though, for anyone who's curious and wants to know what the truth is, and all they have to do is dig a little deeper, and it doesn't take much effort, and very quickly they'll see just how erroneous these propaganda pieces are. Thanks, Tom. There was an interesting article in the British Beekeepers Association newsletter in regards to a review from Dr. John Hoare, who wrote an article about how the European Union's moratorium on neonicotinoids has affected bees as well as the use of other insecticides. One of the scare tactics that they used was that if they suspended the use of neonicotinoids, was that there was going to be a huge increase in all of these horrible old pesticides. And this article uh, shows that that simply isn't the case, that the use of all those horrible old pesticides has just continued, and ha it really hasn't changed. They used them before neonicotinoids were banned in Europe, and they've continued to use them. I uh, can speak to the history of those horrible old pesticides because I lived through the years of the organophosphates and the carbamates and all of those other things, and they were indeed horrible. We had some terrible bee kills from those, but the difference was that we could suffer those kinds of setbacks and still produce a significant honey crop because we had two things then that we don't have now. We had an essentially healthy population of bees and a, an essentially healthy environment, and we have neither of those today. What's also interesting about this article is the talk about pyrethroids. And in regards to these older chemicals that that people would revert back to them and they would start using more and more and more. And the reality is is that with neonicotinoids, they're using more and more and more of the neonicotinoids, which are supposed to have been designed so that there was a minimal impact and minimal need to use the neonicotinoids. Well, correct? in Europe, where they suspended the use on three major commodity crops, the use there was diminished. They didn't ban them completely, and they were used on other crops that were less attractive to bees, and uh, the net effect of that was that the neonicotinoids were still going into the groundwater and into the soil and being picked up by non-target plants. There's research that's been done in the UK that shows that a major source of neonicotinoid poisoning for honeybees is from non-target wildflowers. And that's that's pesticide that has migrated from commodity crops or crops of one kind or another through the groundwater in the soil to be drawn up by non-target flowering plants. These are very insidious poisons, and, and they're used in huge, huge quantities, and they're thousands of times more toxic than anything that's been used in the past. But the bottom line is, is that the initial marketing plea was that the farmers would not have to use so much chemical. And the reality is, is that they're using more and more. 
Well, they were using the chemicals right along with the neonicotinoids. The neonicotinoids did not diminish the use of any of the other chemicals. Exactly. Exactly. So once again, it's it's just interesting how industry's sales tactics, when you look at the research that has been done and how much a, how much product has been used, the only thing that seems to occur is how profitable these chemicals are for industry and the continued decline of our pollinators. They're just lying their way to the bank. There's no other way to describe it. This this is criminal conduct, plain and simple. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens as the change takes place in the White House and what happens with the EPA. So, Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. And, folks, tune in next week as Tom and I continue the discussion. Thank you, June. And thank you to the listeners. Folks, if you have any questions, please write to us at questions at theorganicview.com. Thank you for tuning in. This has been June Sawyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.